Hello and welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. I'm a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're heading to South Korea to find out about two major M&A deals there and why they're being watched closely. Joining me is Kate Kim, Bureau Chief for South Korea. Hi, Kate. Thanks very much for joining me today. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for having me today. So looking at M&A in South Korea, 2022 wasn't the greatest year for South Korea in terms of deal making, reflecting a wider global trend after a bumper year in 2021. How has the South Korean M&A market started this year, 2023? Yes, last year was not great. M&A deal value for South Korea was down nearly 40% to year on year to 57 billion USD from 806 deals with private equity deals decreased by half in value, according to Dealogic data. But starting this year, we see some optimism for better deal flow. There are some interesting deal developments with public tender offer, founders business access, and shareholder activism, which all could play out as a growing trend for deal making in Korea. So there are two deal announcements for that. One is Ostem Implant, the largest Korean dental equipment company, which is being acquired by the private equity group MBK Partners and UCK. And the other case is SM Entertainment, the multi-billion company as well. It's also in a very controversial takeover process to the domestic peer hype. They are quite interesting deals because the two deals actually have some similarities, including the fact that the buyer used the public tender offer in structuring the deal. But that was not the typical practice in the past. Because there's no mandatory takeover code in, in South Korea, like in other jurisdictions. Yes, you are correct. So I can give a little bit background of the regulation first about it. So there is no mandatory takeover code in Korea, meaning that the controlling shareholders exit does not trigger any public tender offer here, unlike UK, Australia, Hong Kong, or some other markets. Instead, we have some different rules. Uh, for the criteria, uh, different criteria for the rule. So acquiring more than 5% stake from more than 10 minority shareholder has been triggering the public tender offer. So when it comes to the public tender offer transaction so far, the last shareholder often used it to increase his power in the company or go for delisting. The, or the Korean holding company has also used it many times to meet the regulatory requirement of the minimum shareholding in its listed subsidies, like a 30% as per law here. And so can you, can you talk through how the deals for Ostem Implant and SM Entertainment are different to what normally happens? Yes. So in these two situations, uh, what happened was that the Ostem and SM Entertainment bidder 
first agreed to buy the stake from the founder, who is also the last shareholder, in a private negotiation. And then they launched the public tender offer to increase the stake from the market at the same price they paid to the last shareholder with the controlling premium, even though they could revise the offer price. So I can say that it is the first time we see such a premium offering to the minority shareholder in public tender offer transactions. And, and so why did the bidders for both of those companies, Ostem Implant and SM Entertainment, why have they come up with this different deal structure? Yes, to be fair, the largest stake size was not so big. So Ostem's case was about 10% stake. That's what they got from the founder. And SM Entertainment was 14.8% only. So the buyers definitely needed more shares to gain control in the management. And when you look at Ostem and SM Entertainment, they actually have a very good business in growing sector. They are the leading players in their own businesses, but have been trading at discount. That's probably partly because there was some corporate governance issue related to the founder for the past few months. So the pricing the deal with more generous premium for the remaining shares in the market could be justifiable to the buyer. And the other thing I can think is that also it was also a strategic option to get the friendly feedback from the market for the deal. Because Ostem Implant and SM both have activist fund as shareholders, even though their stake size was not so big. So the activist campaign during the tender for process was pretty much expected. And is there an expectation that other deals in the future might follow this structure? It is possible, but even though it's not going to be many, we think it's possible. As we flared on our OSTEM's case study story, the private equity and strategic investors would seek further opportunities in similar profile companies. Of those two, the good business and prospects, but trades at discount to peers because of bad governance or management issues. And there is an increasing number of activist situations in Korea as well. At the same time, we also have uh, small discussions in Korea starting last year on whether to introduce the mandatory takeover code or not. Yes, it's about regulation, so there is a long way to go for the implementation. But still, there will be a growing expectation for the minority shareholders' interest. Thank you. And you mentioned activism and that it's growing in South Korea. Could you talk a little bit more about that and, and how it's evolving at the moment and whether you expect to see more activists in, in takeover situations? In Korea, we see the growing number of the domestic activist funds. So they have been making a little bit more voice since last year and flagging up on the value of the company as what they have to do as a business. 
But so far, uh, the market has not reacted much. We didn't have much great cases where the activist funds succeed involved in the takeover situation or change the deal making completely. However, I think there are some good companies they are investing in. So it will, I think it will help raise attention from the market that what kind of companies are, have issues. So they are helping to undercover the issues in a good company. So that's probably the potential lead for the deal makers to follow as well. Great. Thank you. And bringing it back to the two deals that we started off with, Ostem Implant and SM Entertainment. Can you just explain where those two deals are now, please? Tender for process for Ostem has been just closed and the bidder was backed by the activist fund in the end. And as we predicted in our story, they succeeded the deal and acquired an additional 65% stake in the market. And for SM Entertainment deal, it is still ongoing, but it's much more complex because the target company management considers the bid as hostile and is strongly against with it. So. The stakeholders will go into the proxy fight at AGM in March. So it can make another episode next time, I think. <laughs> Great. Well, we'll look forward to talking more about that one. Kate, that was really interesting. Thanks very much. Thank you. That was Kate Kim, Bureau Chief for South Korea. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SSNC Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.